This is a Federal News Network podcast. The Department of the Navy spent more than $17 billion in fiscal 2021 with small business prime contractors. Once again, the Navy met or exceeded all of its small business goals. Where the department is still struggling, though, is ensuring small business subcontractors are not being used as bait by large businesses to get contracts, and then the subs don't get their fair share of work. For more on the Navy Department's efforts to better enforce small business subcontracting plans, Federal News Network's Jason Miller spoke with the director of the Office of Small Business Programs, Jimmy Smith. The Navy executed a Navy audit service audit on subcontracting. And we have 10 major buying commands. The Naval Sea Systems Command was the first of those 10 audits that are going to be done. And the NAVSEA audit has concluded. We've already seen the results of that. And now we're sharing that information across the entire enterprise to go off and correct problems. So we don't think we're going to learn anything more. It's now time to get into corrective actions and, t- and steps that we need in order to execute solutions to problems instead of continuing to admire problems. So is the plan not to necessarily do those other nine buying? Yes, the plan is to execute the other nine, but let's not repeat things that we're learning along the way. So are there new things that pop out that may be of interest to us in that regard? But we don't need to learn 10 things again, 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 and again. Um, so we, pretty, we see pretty clearly that some things are going to be universal across all buying commands when it comes to the lessons that we're learning, especially from NAVC and the major ones. When you are looking at corrective action and saying, okay, how can we improve this? And, and let's be clear, this is not a problem for the Navy. It's a problem government-wide. Meeting subcontracting plans is a big challenge. What are some of the steps you're starting to take or thinking about taking? From an enforcement of subcontractor plans, first is the reporting back from our industry partners. We have to make that something that's pretty standard, maybe use AI, machine learning, things of that nature to help contracting officers identify problems that are in CPARs when it comes to how well our industry partners are doing meeting their own subcontracting goals that they communicated to us. So we would love to have a system that flashed bright red lights when an industry partner wasn't living up to the plan in the document that that they provide to us on, on the health of their effort. So I think we need to get down that path quite a bit. But right now, it's all hand over hand reading, read the report, see if you find that someone go to off and do an analysis. But these folks are busy and they're working on important things and not all things are as important as others. So I think we have to come up with a mechanism that brings the importance level of subcontracting compliance up to a higher level to raise it to the attention that it's deserved. The other piece of it is, and I think you brought this up at the FCA Navy IT Day, is this idea that it's on industry, but it's also on the government side. Both sides have to kind of communicate Absolutely. that problem. Are you working with the contracting officer side to say, hey, you guys can do more or you can be more communicative? Absolutely. Working with both sides, the industry partners and within government to make sure that we're communicating what's important. Because there can be some great ambiguity when it comes to when we award a contract. So let's say that you have a contract that's a one-year base and four-year options. So when do they have to meet their subcontracting goals? Is it that first year or is it over the life of the contract? Well, you're not guaranteed you're going to have the four-year options granted to you. So there's great debate going on at the Small Business Administration level on this very topic. And we're waiting for real tangible guidance to come out to kind of drive down that policy. Is that guidance going to come from DOD? Small Business Administration. That would be a Small Business Administration requirement, and then it will flow across all of government. Sometimes there's reasons why 
that a large business doesn't meet their subcontracting goals. I, I think the, the bigger goal for you all is just to understand it and communicate it and then, okay, what can we do to fix it? Not necessarily that specific issue, but, but can kind of continue to work through it. W what kind of communication do you get today, generally speaking? I know every, every contract's different, every right. vendor's different. Every contract's different, every vendor's different. Not all have subcontracting plans, enforcement, a part of their contract. So it has to be written out very clearly and succinctly for what you want out of it. And we want to shape requirements into controlling behavior. This is what this is really all about. So, uh, but as you know, when we award a contract, prime contractors came in with one idea, the government may change requirements over the life of that contract, and that may upset what we thought we were going to do by way of a subcontracting plan. So there's many reasons why things don't get followed through, but we should be very conscious of input equals output in that regard and understand the effects that they're causing. So it, intentional or unintentional, we should understand those effects. One of the things you mentioned was this idea of correcting the, the challenges or correcting the problems. Is this new policy? Is this new what? More training? How do you correct it? It's done on many fronts. I think training is a big part of it. When new folks are joining your workforce, if they aren't completely acclimated into the full breadth of what they're responsible for and understand what they're responsible for, I think that's a part of it as well. So there's, there's a great deal of opportunity to be successful here. And People also have to want to do a good job. That's the biggest part of this in order to be successful. But I think that applies to just about anything we do. People have to want to be responsible and beholden to the requirements of their job. I just want to switch gears real quick. Uh, you mentioned your goaling for 2021. You guys met all your goals or very yes. came close to very, obviously congratulations there. Why or how and what, what worked, I guess, is, is the big question. For the last four years, we've actually met all of our goals when it comes to our uh, small business requirement, be it in the social economic categories of women-owned small businesses, hub zone, 8A, service-disabled veterans. We've met those requirements, but really, we're not goal-focused at all. This is all about providing capability to the warfighter. And the result is we work the work, the system, and the work gets spread around to all of the right parties to get the work done. It just so happens that we met our goals and objectives as the output. But again, nothing bad actually happens for any federal agency that doesn't meet their goals or requirements. These are goals that you try to strive to achieve, and it's great when you meet them. Nothing bad happens when you don't meet them, but at the end of the day, spreading the work around, helping to build the economy, keep America strong. That's really what this is going after. You mentioned a virtual industry day. I know yes. that this, I think it was the CNO, maybe the Air Force mentioned, we'll never do another in-person event again. <laughs> During the pandemic, they were so successful, which I don't know if that's very true. It's always going to happen. But but is, is that been a big difference for you that these virtual events are able to reach more people and more Absolutely. small businesses? How, how have you used that to, your, to, to benefit the Navy? Absolutely. So the Navy does an annual small business event with the National Defense Industrial Association every year out in San Diego. And this has been an in-person event for 30 years running. We've, for the last two years, we've done them virtually, and we've actually been able to reach more people in the virtual environment rather than the 22, 2300 that show up in person. We've actually been able to reach more people, and oh, by the way, if I can do it virtually, I can do it more often over the course of the year. So we're reaching people on a virtual platform so regularly now that I almost don't look forward to going back to doing them in person, but I still do them in person because there's nothing that, that surpasses that personal touch that you get. But uh, our ability to reach people is, has grown significantly because of 
going virtual. Um, I recently did a in-person event in Las Vegas as a part of the, uh, uh, this was the Native American Economic Summit that they do every year. And from Vegas, I actually did a webinar with <laughs> folks in North Dakota because I couldn't physically get there in time to do that particular event. So great utility, a great tool, and I don't think we'll ever go away from it. There'll always be some hybrid version of what we're going to do in that regard. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual, actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin and what I mean by that is um, the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I. We'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it um, from sea to the C-suite. Fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, 
when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career, but really it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And, and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes, when I was at Navy Federal, I would tell sea stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they gonna say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment and it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, 
and they they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, we, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And, and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Ever wonder why people don't get the care they need? Why their care isn't the best it can be? Ever wonder if home care could be as safe and effective as hospital care? So patients get hospital quality care during home treatment. Ever wonder if you could drive out waste so organizations could save billions? Health needs the power of wonder and bold ideas in pharmacy, care, and benefit solutions. Ever wonder who can do that? Wonder no more. Evernorth brings wonder to health services. Learn more at evernorth.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.